Hello everybody, it is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I have a lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to be talking about the NBA G League bubble, we're going to be talking about the Phoenix Suns, the Boston Celtics, the Portland Trailblazers, the OKC Thunder, and player spotlights on Stephen Curry, uh, Joel Embiid, and Gary Trent Jr. And then I'll be talking about J.J. Watt getting released by the Houston Texans. Texans so yeah we definitely got a lot to talk about in this episode and let's just get right into it first thing I want to talk about is the NBA G League bubble as someone who has ESPN plus I'm definitely going to be keeping a pretty close eye on the G League and as someone who uh, kept a very close eye on the 2020 NBA draft I'm super excited to see how a lot of these young guys can do down there because this is definitely a big chance for just a lot of guys who are uh, younger guys or are barely on rosters to prove themselves and to really improve down there. So I'm going to be reading this article. Uh, shout out to backcourtviolation.com. I'll definitely link it down the, below. It was definitely a very good just recap of who's on what teams and who uh, to watch out for. So for the Clippers of Ontario, uh, they got Jay Strub, who I'm really, really excited to see how he does down there because he was someone who I was super intrigued about in the draft as someone who definitely has a ton of stuff to improve on and a ton of stuff to work on, but has all the raw skills that you want of any prospect with really good athleticism and just overall a good scoring ability. So I think uh, down there, he could really just take advantage of that opportunity and play very very well they got Daniel Oturo who I really liked coming out of the draft as a big who's a dominant uh, down low presence and expanded his range to become a pretty damn good three-point shooter uh, at his last season in college so I think he could definitely put up some big uh, numbers down there you got Jamis Ramsey from the Sacramento Kings because they don't have a team going to the bubble I think he could be a very very good player he's someone who kind of fits in like the Terrence Ross Tim Hardaway Jr. type of mold where they're going to be inconsistent but they're guys who can just put up points in bunches and could be big time scores as like a six-man type of player so i really like jamius ramsey i think he could re- do really good down there and then they got other guys like amir coffee who played some legitimate minutes for the clippers last year he could put some up some big numbers they got kai bowman jordan ford uh, but i'm definitely looking at their younger guys the guys who were drafted in this most recent draft and i think they could really ball, ball out for the austin spurs they definitely have uh, some pretty interesting players down there. They got Trey Jones, who was drafted in the most recent draft. I just think he could be a really good backup point guard. I'm not a guy who thinks like super highly of him, but he did have a very, very good first game. He reminds me a lot of his brother as a guy who I think could just be a very good backup point guard. Super smart with the ball is going to be a great playmaker. And then as long as he can be a good enough outside shooter and a good enough creator off the dribble, uh, he could be a player who was in that like Jalen Brown type of mold of just being a really good backup point guard and I do like Trey Jones they got Kyrie Thomas who has been like in and out of the G League and I do think he could uh, put up some numbers down there and it's definitely time for him to start proving that he really earns a spot in the league uh, they got Cam Reynolds, Kyler Kelly, Luka uh, Samancic, who I'm super interested to see who, uh, how he does down there because he was a uh, pretty high pick for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, a guy who definitely has a lot of things to work on, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he's in the G League next year, but I think he could be a gem for the Spurs and could be a guy who really does develop down there. He is uh, coming from uh, international, so he definitely uh, just has some time 
need some time to develop. And he showed flashes in the G League last year. He's only 21 years old. He averaged 15 and about 8 for the Austin Spurs last year. So I think he could continue to put up some good numbers down there and then potentially be a rotation player for them next year. So I think this is definitely a very big opportunity for them. They got Robert Woodard from the Kings. Another very, very good draft pick by the Kings. They just nailed it in the draft as a whole. And Robert Woodard is someone who I think could be an OG on an OB type of player down the line as a guy who's just a very good 3 and D wing. The three-point shooting is something that does need to continue to improve as he did shoot a high percentage, but it was on a low volume. So as he continues to improve on that, I think he can be a really good player down the line. He's never going to have like really any... Uh, ball handling responsibilities at all but he's so good on the defensive side of the ball due to his effort his intelligence on that side of the ball and he's very very strong and then if he can be a good catch and shoot player he's going to be a very very impactful role player they got Kata Bates Diop who's been someone who's had flashes here and there but hasn't really been consistent and he definitely needs to start uh, proving some things or he could easily fall out of the league and yeah I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on the Spurs because they have some pretty interesting player on that G League squad uh, for the Canton Charge, they have Devon Dotson uh, via the Chicago Bulls, someone who very surprisingly went undrafted. I was not expecting him to go undrafted at all, but I think he'd be a good player down the line. Really just needs to improve his shooting the most, but he's a very good pick and roll player, good at getting downhill and getting to the basket. Pretty good defender as well. They got Tyshawn Alexander via the Phoenix Suns, and I really like Tyshawn Alexander. Not as someone who's going to be a special player at any means, uh, by any means, but someone who could be a very, very good role player. I absolutely think he can do that. Reminds me kind of of like the KCP type of mold as a guy who I think can be a really good shooter, good defender as well, and then cr can create a shot occasionally. It's not something that is going to be a main part of his game, but it's just something he'll do here and there. So I definitely will keep an eye on them, mainly just for those two guys, because I think they can each be two undrafted steals. And yeah, I really, really like those guys as just sleepers. And yeah, I think they'll be a fun team to watch. Uh, for the Delaware Bluecoats, they got Paul Reed, who I was a pretty big fan of. And I think he can be a pretty nice player and take advantage of that time down there. They got Jordan Bone. Michael Frazier the second, not a team that I'm like super interested in watching, uh, but I'll definitely keep an eye on a guy like Paul Reed as again, he was a prospect who I really liked. I liked him a lot more than most people, and I do think he has some pretty good potential uh, for the uh, Irie uh, Bayhawks. They have Najee Marshall, who was a guy I was not a big fan of by any means, but I do think down in the G League, he can improve his game. It's just the three-point shooting really, really needs some improvement. He shot uh, just 286 uh, percent from three in his most recent year in college but he is a guy who does have talent as a score as someone who can handle the ball can create his own shot but again he just really needs to improve that outside shot or i don't think he'll become much but if he does he can become a pretty good player they got cassius winston from the washington wizards who i think is just a pretty solid player he's a guy four-year college player and i never think he'll have a massive role in the league just because he is undersized and i think he'll be a liability on the defensive ball uh, side of the ball at times but he is a very very smart intelligent player who plays with a ton of heart and i just think any team will want and i think he'll be a really nice backup uh going in the future so i definitely will be watching them to see those guys and then they have some other guys who 
are guys that could fall out of the league and have things to prove, like Amari Spellman and Jordan Bell. So they are a pretty interesting G League squad. Uh, for the four Wayne Mad Ants, they have uh, Brian Bowen, who I don't really know much about if I'm being completely honest, but Cassius Stanley is someone I absolutely loved out of this uh, draft. I was surprised he got uh, drafted as low as he did. He's just a player who I think is a super fun guy to watch as someone who can absolutely jump out of the gym, broke Duke's uh, vertical record. He's just someone who has crazy athleticism, can catch lobs, can shoot the three ball, a pretty decent defender as well. And I think he could uh, really prove that he earns a spot in someone's rotation uh, in the future down there for sure. They got Jalen McHugh, who is just a crazy athlete, definitely has a lot of uh, parts of his game that he needs to put together. But if he can hone that athleticism, hone those raw skills that he does have, I think he could be a really fun player to watch. Uh, down the line and I'll definitely watch them because man with Cassius Stanley and Jalen LeCue it's going to be poster city down there they're going to be really really fun and then they have Josh Gray as well who does have some potential is a a smaller player at six foot only 180 pounds but I mean he averaged 22 and a half five rebounds 7.3 assists and 2.4 steals in the G League last year Uh, so that could be Uh, Someone who could definitely carve out a role for himself in the league at some point. And if he continues to put up uh, big numbers like he did last year, then he'll definitely uh, get a shot from some team, I assume. So that'll definitely be someone I keep an eye on. Uh, The Greensboro Swarm will absolutely be a team I keep a pretty close eye on as they have a lot of guys that I'm super interested in. They got Nate Darling, who is someone who can really shoot the ball uh, very, very well. He was a pretty big sleeper in the draft, went undrafted, but he uh, averaged 21 points for a smaller school in Delaware, shooting 40% from three. Don't think he'll ever be like a great player, but maybe as like he could carve himself uh, out a role as like a 12th man who just comes in occasionally to shoot the ball. They got Grant Riller, very, very skilled scorer out of Charleston. Uh, a guy who I liked quite a lot coming out of the draft. Didn't think he was going to be a super high pick, but as uh, any team that needs a backup point guard to bring a punch off the bench as someone who can score the ball, I think could use Grant Riller. They have Vernon Carey Jr., who I'm not a big fan of just due to his... Uh, just due to him on the defensive side of the ball. I just think he's really slow-footed and struggles to guard the pick and roll a lot. But offensively, very, very skilled. And absolutely, I think he could put up some big numbers uh, because he has a very well-rounded offensive game as someone who's good in the post, has good footwork, uh, someone who can shoot the mid-range, can step out to three as well. He basically has the full offensive package. And down there, he just really needs to develop his body. I think he could use losing a bit of weight just to improve that mobility. And again, I think he can put up some big numbers down there. Honestly, for me, it's all about just him on the defensive side of the ball and improving down there. They got Admiral Schofield, someone who was drafted in uh, last year's draft, and he's someone who absolutely uh, just needs to prove that he uh, belongs in the NBA as a whole. And I, I do think he could uh, do some things down there for sure as someone who I think could be a good like 3 and D wing down the line. And I definitely think he could develop down there. Uh, they got Nick Richards, who is a guy that they drafted out of Kentucky. Super athletic, big. Reminds me a lot of like a JaVale McGee type of player. Not very skilled really at all. Uh, but just has that raw athleticism to catch lobs, block shots, and he's going to make a highlight play down there that's going to be very, very exciting, whether it be just a nasty block or a poster dunk off the pick and roll uh, from a lob. Like He definitely has some raw athleticism, athletic, 
athleticism, just needs to improve his skills. They have Jalen McDaniels, who I'm pretty sure they just called up from the G League, uh, but I think he'll probably be in and out of there. And he is someone who does have some intriguing skills as a 6'10 forward who can shoot the ball, but he definitely has a ton of things he needs to improve on. Definitely needs to improve his defense quite a lot and his basketball IQ as a whole. But again, that size and those intriguing skills that he does have, he could definitely carve himself out a role. And then they just took a complete swing on someone in Khalil Whitney, someone who really, really struggled in his first year in college. And I don't know why the hell he went to the draft at all. That was one of the most confusing storylines around the draft for me was why, why Khalil... Uh, Khalil Whitney entered the draft, but he is someone who does have some potential, very highly touted high school prospect, but just really, really struggled. Uh, but this is what I love about like undrafted free agency. You get guys like him, you put them down in the G League, and if they don't develop into anything, it's whatever, because uh, you didn't really pay them much at all. It's not going to hurt your roster at all. But if you can develop that guy right, uh, which they're going to have to do a lot of developing, he's a very, very raw player, but he has the athleticism for sure to be a skilled player down the line and be a good player. A lot of potential, just needs some development, and I think I am definitely going to be keeping a very close eye on him as someone who has a lot of stuff to prove, but could be very, very uh, good down the line. Uh, the Iowa Wolves, they got Ashton Haggins, who I think could be a really good backup defensive point guard, kind of in the Chris Dunn mold as someone who really can't shoot the ball that well at all, really struggled from three in college, and someone who can kind of take some reckless shots at times while attacking the basket. Field goal percentage as a whole is very, very poor. Uh, but Ashton Haggins is someone I like. They got Jordan McLaughlin, who is a pretty short player, uh, but does have some uh, pretty nice skills. He's just limited by that size. Uh, he can shoot the ball well, and he did have some minutes for the Timberwolves last year. So I think he'll continue to improve uh, when he's down in the G League, and then he'll probably take advantage of whatever minutes he does have when he's up there uh, with the Timberwolves. And then they got Alonzo Trier, who is someone who had some really nice flashes early on in his career. Career, but as someone who's kind of struggled to be in the league at certain times as he is a guy who's a talented scorer but you question his basketball IQ you question uh, his shot IQ especially he can take some very poor shots at times and then you just question the overall well-rounded game for him but he is someone who could put up some big numbers down there and can and can uh, prove that he belongs on a roster. For the Lakeland Magic, they have Karen Maine, who is someone that I was very interested in coming into this draft. Didn't expect him to get drafted, and he did go undrafted, but he is someone who I think has some very intriguing skills as a pretty athletic uh, guard who can make some really nice plays at times, uh, but he is just someone who uh, came from Canada uh, and came from just not the greatest of competitions by any means, so it didn't make sense. I, I mean, it did make sense that he went uh, undrafted, but he is a sleeper and someone who I think uh, could be a guy who develops down the line. I definitely will keep an eye on him. Uh, they've got Mamadi Diakai, who I think uh, is definitely a player that could be very, very good as a role player down the line. Someone who I think has some really intriguing skills out of Virginia. Someone who is a very smart and good defender, rebounded the ball well, and improved his shooting ability. I think he could be like a Jamichael Green type of player, and obviously a name like Jamichael 
Green doesn't uh, jump off the sheet. But Jamichael Green has been a very good role player throughout his entire career. So, yeah, I really like Daikai, and I definitely hope he can take advantage of his time down there because uh, I think he could be a good rotation player for the Bucks down the line. For the Long Island Nets, they have Tyler Bay from Dallas, who I'm a massive fan of. Love Tyler Bay's game so, so much as someone who I think could be a Jeremy Grant type of player. Now, don't take this uh, with the context of the Jeremy Grant we know now, but take it with the context of Jeremy Grant before he went to Detroit when Jeremy Grant was more of a role player on the Thunder uh, and obviously on the Nuggets. Uh, but Tyler Bay is someone who I think has really good versatility on the defensive side of the ball, especially Tyler Bay is really, really good on that side of the ball. And I think could be a potential lockdown def defender uh, in the future. I think he's that special on that side of the ball. I think he can rebound. Well, the one thing I want to see is just consistent shooting from him as he's had good percentages, uh, but he's also done it sometimes on limited attempts and he just doesn't look like the most confident guy from out there. There. But I think he can have that Jeremy Grant arc as someone who took time to develop in the G League, uh, got limited minutes, and uh, just hustled out there, uh, did his thing when he could, like got points off cuts, got points off catch-and-shoot threes in the corner, and then slowly developed into being a big, big rotation player, and then is getting like $10 million uh, dollar a year contracts. Again, I don't think he's going to hit Detroit Jeremy Grant because I just didn't know this was in Jeremy Grant. But when Jeremy Grant was a role player, I think that's the best comparison for Tyler Bay. They got Nate Hinton, who I absolutely love Nate Hinton's game so much. Easily one of my favorite prospects in the 2020 draft. Uh, it amazed me that he went undrafted because he is someone who, though not being the most skilled player by any means, do not get me wrong, he's not a very skilled basketball player. Nate Hinton has all the uh, intangibles and all the heart in the world to become at least a rotation player down the line. The dude rebounds the hell out of the ball as a guard. He was getting eight rebounds a game in college and this is not a situation like where it was game plan like that it's not like the russell westbrook luka Doncic thing where those guys get a lot of boards because the bigs box out and then they want their guard to grab the ball and push to the pace no nay hinton was getting tough contested rebounds just boxing out people really well getting offensive boards as well and then he's going to be a guy who always is diving for loose balls hustling in transition just brings so many intangible things that you absolutely love and is really good on the defensive side of the ball as well and can shoot the ball a little bit too needs to continue to improve on that but love nate hinton and i think he could really carve himself out a role in the nba and i hope he takes advantage of all his minutes down uh, with the Long Island Nets. They also got Reggie Perry, who's someone who has played minutes for them as he is on a two-way contract. And he's had some uh, nice flashes, but he's been forced to play like a center, which he just can't do. But I do like Reggie Perry's game. I think he can be a good player down the line, just needs to continue to develop. Uh, they got Paul Uboa, who is the guy that I definitely think can be a pretty, pretty nice player down the line. He's just someone who is a super raw athlete uh, and is someone who doesn't really have a lot of the skills that you'd like, but has the size, the athleticism, and the strength to become a very, very good player down the line. Just needs that time to develop in the G League. He's a true physical specimen who I think has ridiculous 
ridiculous potential on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then on offense, I don't really expect him to do much. Just someone who I want to take advantage in transition as a guy who's just hustling. Kind of like early Pascal Siakam would probably be my comparison for Paul Uboa. Just get in there, play good defense, and then get points in transition. Get points off cuts, uh, off easy uh, dump-off passes in the pick-and-roll. Uh, and I think he'd be a good role player down the line. For the Memphis Hustle, they got a lot of players that I really, really like. And they're a team that I would pay very close in t- uh, attention to if you plan on watching the G League. They got Killian Tilly, who was one of the most skilled offensive bigs in the whole 2020 NBA draft. But the reason why he went undrafted and the reason why he's in the G League on a two-way contract for them is because of injuries. He had so many injury issues, and it's a lot of lower body stuff, which for a big person you always get super scared about. But I think he has a lot of potential, and if this man can stay on the court and stay healthy, he is going to be a good player down the line. I would be really surprised uh, if he isn't as long as he stays healthy. Reminds me of like Danilo Gallinari, has a lot of Kevin Love in his game as well. And that's very high praise for someone who went undrafted, but I really just do believe in Tilly like that. He can shoot the ball very, very well, takes advantage of smaller players in the post, uh, makes good passes, and has a high basketball IQ, and is not a great defender, but not a bad defender either. He's just kind of in the middle, really like his game, and think he could be very good. They got Tyrell Terry, another one of easily my favorite prospects in all of the 2020 draft i love tyrell terry's game so much he reminds me a lot of seth curry as someone who can really shoot the ball very very well can handle it can create his own shot Uh, i just love everything about tyrell terry's game the only thing is he's a bit undersized which obviously doesn't help but he has a ton of potential and i think he could really show out down there he had some really nice moments i was watching closely on that memphis hustle game because i wanted to see tyrell terry and he did some good things out there just really hopes he can uh, really hope he can take advantage of all the minutes he gets down there. Sam Merrill is one of the best shooters coming out of the 2020 draft. He is undersized and he is an older player uh, who isn't like the most uh, talented player by any means, but his ability to shoot the ball should carve himself out a role as a very late rotation player. He's going to struggle on defense. He's a pretty decent playmaker, but nothing special. And then doesn't really have anything else about his game that stands out. But if you can shoot as good as he can, which Uh, is very, very good. I expect him to be like a 42% three-point shooter throughout his career, shoot above 90% from the free throw line. He just has such a nice touch, and he's a very good player uh, as a three-point shooter. Uh, And I think he could take advantage of the minutes down there and carve himself out a role in the league. They got Zaire Smith, who is someone who's been a massive disappointment. Uh, I didn't expect him to be like a great player by any means, but I expected him to be a rotation player by now. But he's just had a lot of injury issues. And then uh, with a pretty good 76ers team who was trying to win now and he was a younger player who needed to develop, he just never fit the timeline of them. So he absolutely has to take advantage of his minutes down there or he's going to be someone who's out of the league so he's got to prove a lot and i think he can do it i think he has the athleticism and has some intriguing skills just needs to take advantage of those minutes uh they also have jonte porter who is someone who has a lot of skill and is a very talented player but just like killian tilly another player who dealt with severe injuries he tore 
it was either both both of his ACLs or he tore his ACL twice, which obviously is very, very bad. Uh, he's brother of Michael Porter Jr., and he's another skilled offensive player who I think has a lot of potential as a big who can shoot, who can do a little bit of stuff off the dribble. And I just really like Jonte Porter as a whole uh, and think he could be good, just has to stay healthy. The G League Ignite, I mean, they're a team that everyone's going to be watching if you watch the G League at all. And as someone who is definitely going to do a ton of scouting uh, for the 2021 NBA Draft, they're a team that I'm going to watch very closely. They have so many guys on this roster who just have a ton of potential uh, to be drafted pretty high. I mean, Jalen Green is a guy who can really score the hell out of the ball, has so much offensive skill, does need to improve as a playmaker can get tunnel vision at times, but I think his scoring ceiling is ridiculously high. Jonathan Kaminga had an awesome first game for them. He's someone who does need to improve as a three-point shooter, and that's something that does uh, worry me as a three-point shooting. But everything else, man, he has all the athleticism in the world. He has so many just nice skills. Like He has such a good handle for his size. He's someone who can block shots. He had one of the nastiest blocks I've ever seen in that game. Just pinned it off the backboard. It was so beautiful. He can rebound and with that handle, push it in transition. And he threw some really high level and impressive passes into super tight windows. So I was really impressed by him in their first game. And I think he can be a top five pick in this uh, year's draft. I think he has so much potential. Needs to become a more consistent three-point shooter, but everything else is absolutely there for Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, they have Dacian Nix. They have Isaiah Todd. Like they, they have Kai Soto. They have so many guys down there who definitely need to improve and need to develop, uh, but I think they can take their time to develop down there, and I think they can be very, very good. I, I do just love the idea of the, these players going down to the G League because as much as, like, obviously there's great players in college every single year, uh, in the G League, these are grown men who are fighting to get into the league. These are other young prospects like them who are uh, fighting to carve out a rotation or older players who are trying to get back in the league. I mean, if you watch the uh, G League Ignite game, uh, Jarrett Jack was balling out in that game. Like, there's just a lot of those guys, and they're not going to let them get by with anything at practice or definitely in the game. So I, I do really like that they can get their professional training down there, and I think all these guys uh, could easily take advantage of their minutes down there, and I think they could be very, very good. For the OKC Blue, they have a lot of players that I'm intrigued about. Josh Hall is someone who I liked quite a lot coming into the draft. He was someone I was definitely surprised somewhat that he entered the draft, but he does have a lot of potential as a long forward who has some really nice shot creating and shot making ability. Uh, he's someone who is young uh, and definitely has a ton of things to work on. He's super skinny, really needs to uh, fill out that frame but that's again what i love about the g league he's going to be put with all the right trainers all the right uh diet uh what is that word 
I don't know what what I'm trying to say, but it, like people who tell him what uh, diet to be on. And yeah, I think he could take full advantage of that. And at that six nine frame with his ability to handle, shoot the ball, make tough shots off the dribble, I think he could be a very, very good player down the line. Just needs to develop his uh, physical attributes and needs to develop a lot of his skills. But I really like Josh Hall. They got Ty Jerome down there, who is a guy who uh, was drafted in the 2019 draft, someone who is a big guard. Uh, didn't really see anything that I liked much out of him last year uh, as the 24th pick. I was really surprised that he uh, got drafted as high as he did, and he was battling an injury, uh, so that definitely didn't help him at all. Uh, but this is the perfect opportunity for him to take advantage of that. He was in the Chris Paul trade, and yeah, he definitely is a guy that I like the Thunder uh, taking a swing on, and I think he'd be a good player down the line, just needs to develop. And then they got uh, Alexis Pokuzewski, who is someone who has crazy potential. I'm talking like Chris Stapps Porzingis type of potential. I think he has one of the highest ceilings in the NBA as a whole, and that is not hyperbole. Alexis Pokusevsky is someone who can shoot the ball. He is a seven-footer who can handle, who has some of the best vision out of a seven-footer that I've seen in a long, long time. He can block shots. like He has crazy high potential. But he also has a very low floor. Someone who is super frail. Another guy, just like Josh Hall, needs to put on weight very, very badly. Uh, but he's someone who, again, just has so much potential. Just needs to really put on weight. And needs to become more consistent as a shooter. He definitely struggled in the minutes he played for OKC. But I think now in the G League, against worse competition, uh, he can just have as much time as he wants to develop and become a good player. So I really like them sending him down there. And then they got some other players as well who I didn't look into uh, a ton uh, throughout the draft prospect uh, process but I did look at them like uh, Vit Kresh uh, I don't know how you say that name and Omer uh, your seven both two bigs who I uh, could do some things as well. And OKC actually drafted Crutch was the 37th pick, which I was uh, pretty surprised about as I didn't see him super uh, high on many boards at all. But he's uh, 6'8", and he does have some potential. And then they got uh, Omer, who is uh, big, who is a bit of a sleeper. And I do think he has some potential as someone who averaged like 15 and a half and 10. Uh, he can just use his size to his advantage and become a good player. But I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about a couple other G League teams. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Raptors 905, and they're a team where I'm honestly not super informed about like a ton of players on this roster, uh, but with the Toronto Raptors and with their development staff, you already know someone's going to come out of nowhere from the Raptors 905 and be a good rotation player for them. That's just what happens with the Toronto Raptors, but they do have Jalen Harris, 22-year-old, 6'5 guard, uh, coming out of Nevada, who I do think can develop. He averaged uh, 21.7 points, and he has a very, very good jump shot. Someone, again, who I think could be a good player for them down the line. And with how good they develop players, definitely will be someone to keep an eye out on as potentially a rotation player for them. But they have other players. I mean, they have Nick Stauskas. They have Elise Johnson, Gary Payton, Dewan uh, Hernandez, a lot of guys who are trying to fight to be in the league. And uh, 
like for most players, this is just a big prove-it opportunity for them, and they have to take advantage of those minutes. Uh, for the Vipers, who are the Rockets affiliate team, they have Mason Jones, who I think has quite a lot of potential as someone who can really, really uh, score the ball. He's already mastered getting to the free throw line, was ridiculous at getting to the free throw line at college, can shoot as well, has a lot of things he needs to work on, uh, but I do think he has some potential. They have uh, Broderick Thompson, who I don't really know too much about as he was a Division II guy out of uh, Truman uh, State. Yeah, but he's a 6'5 wing and uh, just someone they took a swing on out of undrafted free agency. And like I always uh, say, that's what you do out of undrafted free agency. You take swings on guys, and if they develop, then great. And if they don't develop, then it's kind of whatever. Uh, and then they also got Kevin Porter Jr., who looked very, very good in their first game. I was a big fan of everything that I saw from him. And I think he has so much potential. Just really needs to figure out the off-the-court stuff because on the court, he's already a good player. It's all about figuring out the off-the-court stuff and just improving his maturity as a whole. Uh, but he's someone who has a lot of offensive uh, skills as someone who can hit tough shots he has a really nice step back can get to the rim is a bit like undersized if you want to play him at the forward position but as a two guard i think he'd be a really nice player just needs to figure out that off the court stuff uh, and all the off on the court skills will translate into him being a good player they got Kenyon martin jr who's someone who has a lot of athleticism definitely isn't a super skilled player uh, but with his size and athleticism and his ability to shoot the ball uh, I think he can be a good player down the line. It's just another guy who really just needs to develop down there and take advantage of those minutes. Uh, they got uh, Trevlin Quinn, uh, Queen, who was a player that I liked quite a lot and I thought was easily one of the biggest sleepers coming out of this draft as a wing who has some really nice offensive skills. He can handle the ball. He can shoot, competes on the defensive side of the ball as well. I think he can absolutely take advantage of those minutes down there. And I think he could be a very, very good player. And then they got Kenny Wooten as well, who has a lot of potential with his just ridiculous athleticism. Uh, but he just needs to put a lot of things together. He did average uh, 3.6 blocks for the Knicks affiliate team last year, though. So that just shows that athleticism, uh, that timing that he has as well. And I, I really like that he's down there. I like a lot of guys on this roster. And they're another team I'll be keeping a close eye on. Uh, the Stars, they have some players that... Uh, I'm very, very intrigued to see how they do down there. They got Yudoka Azabuke, who is someone that I was super surprised got uh, picked as high as he did. It was one of the most confusing picks in the entire draft easily to me, but he is someone who has crazy athletic skills and crazy physical attributes. The dude is strong as all hell. He's just an absolute force to be reckoned with around the basket. He can jump out of the gym even though he's a pretty heavy dude. He's still like a 40 inch vertical which just shows how athletic he is he can block shots catch lobs but he has just a lot of things he needs to develop he's super raw at almost every aspect of the game like his post game is way more just strength and uh, power than actual finesse and then he can't shoot the ball at all he can't play make uh, he isn't a very good perimeter defender, uh, which makes sense with how big he is. 
Uh, just needs to work on a lot of things, but I think he could be a good backup center down the line just with that athleticism and with his uh, physical attributes. They got Jordan Nawara, who is someone who I think could be a very uh, decent player down the line. Just a late rotation guy, someone who can really shoot the ball very, very well. Uh, does have some issues. He is a bit slow-footed and can struggle on the defensive side of the ball at times, but he does have good size, and he can definitely be someone who just puts up points in bunches due to how good of a shooter he is. Uh, they got Trent Forrest. Uh, they got Jarrell Brantley. They also got Yogi Ferrell down there, which is another guy who's just been fighting to be in the league for a while, and it's just another chance for him to hopefully prove himself to be a backup. He had some really nice moments at times with the Kings, but he just really hasn't been anything for a while now uh, for the Santa Cruz Warriors they got Nico Mannion who is a guy that uh, definitely has a lot of potential but has a ton of things he needs to work on must become a more consistent shooter for sure but I really like his playmaking ability his playmaking ability is very very good super high IQ player love his ability in the pick and roll just needs to improve as a shooter needs to improve as a finisher for sure he's a guy who definitely could use putting on some weight putting on some muscle because he's a very skinny dude but i mean he's a super young guy that's kind of what you would expect so it just needs to uh, improve in a lot of different things like uh, his size improving could definitely help him on the defensive side of the ball as well like he's always gonna uh, struggle just due to him being uh, undersized as far as height wise but if he puts on some muscle that'll definitely help down there they got caleb wesson who i like quite a lot as a big who can shoot the ball uh, very very well shot it uh, amazing at his last season in Ohio State and has a good offensive skill set as a whole but he's someone who just uh, does have some issues as he is someone whose weight has been a massive issue at times he's been very very overweight at times which has led to some injuries as well uh, and he definitely uh, needs to improve on that. Uh, but if he can get his physique good, I think he has all the skills to at least be uh, a backup or third string center in the league. They got Jordan Poole, who they drafted in the last draft, who has some skills, is a bit of a flamethrower, someone who can shoot the ball pretty well and can be an explosive scorer at times. But his efficiency uh, has just really struggled throughout his career so far. So he's definitely someone I want to see improve and take advantage of his time down there. Uh, they got Alan uh, Smolagic. I have no clue how to say his name. It's a really, really tough name to say. But he's another guy that they drafted, and he's a guy who has a lot of upside, just has a ton of things uh, he needs to put together. But he was pretty decent for them last year, putting up 15 points, 6 rebounds. So he's definitely a guy I would keep a close eye on. And then they got uh, Jeremy Lin, who will definitely have some just fun moments where he's putting up big points down there and he'll be a fun guy to watch even if he's not like super important to the future of the Warriors or anything or anything he'll just be a fun player that they have down there for the Westchester Knicks uh, they have Miles Powell who's someone that I'm not a big fan of at all uh, I think he was easily one of the more overrated prospects in the 2020 draft and he went undrafted for a reason so many guys were so in love with just how much points he put up and he is a good scorer he can put up points in bunches but he's not a very good overall basketball player his efficiency was not good at all and that also came from a lack of help I completely understand understand that but he can take bad shots at times and i just don't think he is a very good player but yeah this is just another guy who needs to take advantage of his minutes down there and i do think he has potential 
but I just don't really like his game that much. They got Isnas uh, Brazdakis, who is someone they drafted recently, someone who I do like and has some potential. I mean, he played very, very well uh, with the Knicks affiliate last year, putting up basically 21-7-3, very good numbers, uh, and just needs to continue to improve down there. Uh, but I do think he can carve himself out a role as a backup forward on that roster at some point. They got Scalabissier, who's someone who's uh, been in and out of the league, and just another guy, uh, one out of many, who uh, has a lot of stuff to prove, but I do think could maybe carve himself out a, uh, out a role as a uh, later player. They got James Young, who was formerly on the Boston Celtics. I, I, he's only 25 years old. That's that is absolutely crazy, and he's another guy who's just battling uh, to be on an NBA roster. That's that's absolutely crazy. I didn't even know he was still playing basketball. He played he played in Israel last year. Uh, that that's super interesting to me that he's on that roster. But yeah, that's my preview, uh, and just some guys to look out for, some teams to look out for in the 2020. Uh, one G League bubble. It's definitely some something I'm going to be watching pretty frequently. I'm super excited uh, about it, and I think there's so many young players who can put up uh, some numbers down there and can just improve as basketball players as a whole, and then so many older players who are looking to fight uh, their way back into the league who can carve themselves out a role down there. Now getting into some NBA topics. First, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns, their team who has definitely stood out to me uh, as of late as they've been playing some very, very good basketball. Recently, we're able to pull out a, a very close win over the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm just an absolutely massive fan uh, of this Suns roster as a whole. They have so many players who I like, and the thing about this roster is they so seamlessly fit together just perfectly. They're awesome team i'm just such a massive fan of so many guys on this roster i love monty williams as a coach and uh this team has been working they've been playing very very well and i think they could be a team that surprises some people in the playoffs i would not be surprised in the slightest if this team made the western conference finals obviously they wouldn't be my pick to make the western conference finals like i'm taking the lakers i'm taking the clippers and i'm taking the jazz over them but if they did make it, it wouldn't be a shock to me by any means. And that's just because they have so many guys on this roster. Obviously, you got to start off with that backcourt. Chris Paul is a guy who, while he's not been putting up crazy numbers by any means, Chris Paul has still been playing amazing basketball. Do not let uh, him not putting up the most crazy numbers fool you from that at all. He's putting up about 17, 8, 4.5, which is still good numbers. He's obviously one of the best playmakers in the league and one of the best playmakers we've ever seen as a whole. And I feel like he's just uh, definitely had a lot of people on this team step up because Chris Paul is always going to be a guy that improves the guys around him. He's always going to be a guy who helps those wings get open shots. He's always going to be a guy who is a magician in the pick and roll and is always going to help bigs and that's what i love about chris ball so much is again even if he's not putting up the best numbers by any means his veteran leadership is so valuable and it's something that can't be described uh, except for when you see players like Shea Gildas Alexander talk so highly of Chris Paul, and I think Shea was—I mean, uh, Shea was mentored so well by Chris Paul, and so many guys on that Thunder team were mentored by him, and there was a reason why they were so good last year when really no one expected them to be that good. Like I thought they could surprise some teams and maybe be a tenth seed, but they were what the fifth seed, maybe even the fourth seed. They were very, very good. Almost beat the Rockets last year in the playoffs, and that's because. 
because Chris Paul is just one hell of a player. And especially as of late, he's been playing some really good basketball. Like, he struggled a bit at the beginning of the season. And I honestly think it was just a lack of aggression uh, because it was such a shortened off season. And that's obviously tough when you're getting traded to a new team already. And then when you consider it's a shortened off season and he doesn't have as much time to gel with the roster, that didn't help. But now that he's getting more and more comfortable with his role on this team game by game, he is standing out and absolutely balling. I still think Chris Paul, uh, while only putting up like 17 points per game, is still like a top 20 player in the league. I think Chris Paul is just absolutely phenomenal and his impact on the on a team will never be able to be shown in numbers. Chris Paul is just one of the greatest players we've ever seen in this game, and he's been playing some really good basketball for the Suns. Devin Booker, while not putting up like crazy numbers or anything, he's just been doing Devin Booker type stuff. The only thing that's been disappointing to me is that the playmaking has taken a step back, uh, and I knew it would probably take a little bit of a step back with Chris Paul, but you have to consider he still had rookie Rubio next to him last year, and he was still putting up six and a half assists per game, but he's only putting up four point two which is only 0.3 more assists and turnovers so that's definitely a little disappointing but other than that uh devin booker's just doing his thing he's uh meshing with chris paul putting up basically 24 points per game four assists and four rebounds which is very very good numbers uh definitely someone who i wouldn't be surprised if he made an all-star at all as devin booker's just that dude he's a guy who you're always going to trust to uh close uh, late in game. That's what I do love about this team as well. Is they have so many guys you can uh, trust down the stretch. And obviously it starts with Chris Paul, who is one of the greatest uh, closers of all time, one of the best clutch players of all time. And then Devin Booker is one of the better uh, newer closers in the league. So they just have so many nice things about this roster. And I love how this backcourt works together. They play so, so well off each other. And their chemistry is just so clearly improving every single game. Mikhail Bridges has been awesome for this roster this year he has been incredible so far while he's only putting up 10.3 points per game his impact on this roster is ginormous he's improved a ton as a three-point shooter which is super important and oh i just said he put up 10.3 points per game he's putting up 14 and a half i was accidentally looking at his shots he's actually putting up 14 and a half points per game which is a big step from the 9.1 he put up last year and he's shooting the ball so much better shooting basically four 40% from three on five attempts, which is just great uh, stuff from him because that was always the thing about him is he was a three and D wing who was a good shooter and he had improved pretty significantly from his rookie season, but he still wasn't like a great shooter by any means, but he's become a great shooter and we all know how good he is on the defensive side of the ball. This dude is easily one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and it amazes me how he never gets brought up in these discussions of like when uh the all defensive teams come around he has to be in that conversation this dude is a lockdown perimeter defender and is a guy who just fits into whatever role you want him to play you want him to stand in the corner and shoot he's gonna do it you want him to be a guy who cuts to the basket uh, you want him to be a guy who really doesn't get touches uh, that much at all, but just is putting all his energy into clamping the best player on the other roster. He's going to do it. He's just such a nice player for this roster. Like when they're having their matchups against teams like the Mavericks, he's going to be put on, on Luka, and you're never going to stop Luka, but he does a damn good job of containing those type of players as well as he can. Love Mikhail Bridges' game, and I just think he's easily one of, if not the most underrated, 
underrated player in the league. This dude is a baller. DeAndre Ayton has had a bit of a disappointing season so far, uh, but he's getting better game by game. Uh, and I basically said that about everyone because I feel like it's true. Everyone on this team is getting better game by game. The one thing I just really dislike about DeAndre Ayton is his aggressiveness. He just has a lot of lack of aggressiveness at sometimes that's super frustrating. And it's because we all know how good DeAndre Ayton is and we all know how talented he is. But sometimes it just seems like he's not willing to impose himself on the game when I'm like, dude, you're a 6'11", 250-pound strong as hell dude who has such good footwork in the post who can score out of the mid-range but just so many times I feel like he's not being assertive enough and taking enough shots I think he could be a guy who in the future puts up like 25 and 12 I think he has the skill set to do that but it's just all about the motor for him and the aggressiveness for him uh, I'd I would love him to see uh, to see him get to the free throw line more that's something he needs to improve on as he's a guy who is around the basket a lot but he takes a lot of like hook shots a lot of fadeaways and while he's pretty damn good at them like I'm not telling him to stop taking those shots I just would love if he really used his physicality to just go into people more and get to the line more like as someone who's around the basket as much as he is he's only taken 2.4 free throws a game which is just pretty disappointing but he's still an amazing rebounder you could still uh, trust him to score down low because he is very good it's, it's again just about the aggressiveness uh, but with him improving on the defensive side of the ball year by year I think DeAndre Aiden is still a very very good player and I just hope he can get that average up to like 16 and 12 instead of the 14 and 12 and he'll be absolutely fine and then they just have a ton of role players that I like uh, I really like Jay Crowder as inconsistent as a shooter as he is like he is shooting 34% from three he'll have stretches where he just can't miss like on the heat this was such a ridiculous part and such an underrated part of how the heat did so good jay crowder uh, a guy who's basically shot like 34 ish percent throughout his career most of the time shot 44 and a half percent from them in the 20 regular season games he played for them uh, but he's just going to be a guy who doesn't really go much outside of his role like he's taken 8.8 uh, .8 shots per game and 6.7 of those are threes which you like to see and he's just another guy like Chris Paul who brings such good veteran leadership and such a good veteran presence to this team and is a very very good wing defender as well a guy who they got on a super nice contract and I love that pickup for them they got Cam Johnson who I think is easily one of the more underrated young players in the league they got a lot of guys on this roster who fly under the radar and that's just because he was a guy who was picked much higher than people expected and I do still not like that pick necessarily not because of the player who Cam Johnson is but just his value going into the draft I would have loved for them to uh, trade uh, down more and then get him later but even though he was the 11th pick and they probably could have got him later they got their guy at the end of the day and cam johnson has turned out to be a very very good player he's even been a little disappointing from three and him being disappointing is still shooting 36.6 percent that's just how good of a shooter he is i think he's going to be a career like 38 and a half percent uh three-point shooter because he's just phenomenal from out there he's a guy who just derives off uh, the attention that Devin Booker and Chris Paul uh, bring to themselves because he's going to be standing in those corners and he's going to be 
knocking down those threes. Cam Johnson is just such a nice player for this team because he's good on the defensive side of the ball as well. He's a decent enough rebounder. Like He's just such a good player to have on this roster. And another guy who just fits into this culture of all... A lot of these guys just don't need the ball that much. Like... Again, I love the construction of this roster because you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who are going to be your two main ball handlers. Chris Paul is going to be running a ton of pick and roll, and is going to be a guy who's hitting his shooters, who's hitting his big rolling. And then when it's down the stretch, when they need to close out the game, he's going to have his... Uh, the ball in his hands and he's gonna be a guy who is a lights out closer he's gonna kill it from mid-range step out to the three like Chris Paul plays a perfect role for this roster Devin Booker is their main score uh, who's another guy you can give it down the stretch and is just easily one of the better bucket getters in the league and is absolutely proven to be that uh, and they got DeAndre Ayn who can be their post option the guy who they can give the ball uh, down to on the block to give them a different look and then if you look at all the wings on this roster Etwan Moore Cam Johnson Jay Crowder Langston Galloway and Mikhail Bridges all guys who don't need the ball at all but all guys who can shoot and do that at a very, very good rate, and then thrive off their two guards who bring uh, the amount of tensions, attention that they do to them. And then you got Monty Williams at the helm, who I think uh, puts together great rotations. Like It's just such a perfectly constructed roster. And again, it's a team that I would not be surprised if they make the Western Conference Finals. And I just, I just love this Phoenix Suns team this year. Like, they're such a fun team for me to watch. And then they even got a guy like Jalen Smith, who still, I think, can develop quite a lot throughout the season as a guy who is only 20 years old and as a guy who I think has, like, Miles Turner-type potential as a guy who can shoot, protect the rim. Like, they even have guys who aren't playing much for them who I think can develop throughout the year and maybe be rotation players late. This this team is just so much fun to watch. And while it hurt to see them beat my Boston Celtics, uh, I do really, really enjoy watching this Suns team. They're an absolute blast. And I think a team that's been getting super underrated. I don't think nearly enough people are giving uh, attention to how good this roster is and how good they've been playing this year. Love the Phoenix Suns and love everything they've been doing so far. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about my Boston Celtics who just recently lost a game to the Detroit Pistons and I'm worried about this roster. Uh, we've definitely had a pretty disappointing season so far and overall I've just been super underwhelmed by most of this team and I expected us to be a lot better. Now I'm not going to blame this on Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown at all. Both of those guys have been balling, playing some of the best basketball of their life. I mean, Jason Tatum's averaging 26.6, seven, four and a half assists on basically 46, 41, and 88 percent splits, which is just absolutely phenomenal stuff from him. He's having an amazing season. I think he's proving why he's a borderline top 10 player in this league. And then Jalen Brown has really emerged this season and has been incredible as well. Is averaging 26 points on 50, 41, only 76% from the line, but still amazing stuff from him. I think both of those guys are just absolutely solidified all-stars, guys that uh, could even potentially uh, be good enough to start. There's just a, a lot of tough competition in the Eastern Conference when it comes to the All-Star game. But especially at that guard position, I could easily see Jalen Brown uh, being a starter on this roster 
on that roster. But when you look outside of those guys and you look at the help on this roster, it's just very, very inconsistent. And there's some clear issues that I've always had with the Celtics and as a fan has always frustrated me a lot. And first things first, it's about the depth. The depth on this roster just to me is simply not good enough. While they do have guys who can have big nights and can have explosive scoring games, they don't have nearly enough consistency off this bench to be a legit contender and a team that is up there with the best of the best in the league because there are so many guys on this bench who are super inconsistent like Grant Williams has had some nice moments for the Celtics for sure he shot 44% from three so far which is obviously great that is really really good stuff from him but he also has a lot of mistakes and still does a lot of very frustrating thing fat Uh, fouls three times per game which is definitely a big issue with him and while I think he's a smart defensive player I feel like a lot of uh, times he just doesn't have the speed and the lateral quickness to keep up with quicker players which causes him to be in foul trouble a lot he really struggles from the free throw line and that was something about the Pistons game he missed a crucial free throw he's only shooting 51.7 percent from the free throw line on the season he'll make like a really really nice play on the defensive side of the ball and then he loses the ball throw some turnover it's like every time he takes a step forward he takes a step back on the next play and he's definitely a player that i like but is frustrating carson edwards is a guy who i think his time on this roster has just ran out like he is someone who i do think could uh, potentially succeed on a different roster but on this roster i just think he doesn't really fit here anymore now that we got Peyton pritchard especially i think we need if we were gonna get another guard I think we need a more legit and solidified guard off the bench. Carson Edwards just isn't that guy. And I, again, just don't think he really fits with this roster anymore. I think he was someone who needed to play immediately and needed to put up big numbers to keep his confidence up. But with him not really getting much opportunity at all in his rookie season, he just never really got that. Jeff Teague, I think, is just a terrible basketball player at this point i mean jeff teague is shooting 32.8 percent from the field is shooting 43 percent from three but literally cannot make a layup to save his life and is an absolute black hole defensively he is terrible on that side of the ball and he should not be getting rotational minutes at least as many minutes as he is on a team that is trying to compete for a championship simply enough javante green is a player who i like but he's just really athletic and not much much else can't really shoot the ball and doesn't really bring much else uh to the game other than just his raw athleticism uh and then you got other guys like i mean aaron uh, nesmith has definitely had his moments and he's had some really nice moments but i feel like he's also just not getting the consistent minutes uh to really be that good especially as someone who's a shooter like as a shooter you need that rhythm to be a guy who's impactful and with the uh, way this team is constructed and with how win now they are he just doesn't really get those consistent minutes uh Payne Pritchard has been awesome for us love Payne Pritchard so so much uh just wish sometimes he would get some more minutes because like sometimes I feel uh like Brad Stevens is kind of stuck in the way of like putting the veteran in Jeff Teagan when Payne Pritchard is simply the better basketball player Payne Pritchard has been really really nice for us and we just need more guys like him who can be consistent off that bench and I think the main thing that the Celtics 
uh, should try and use that trade exception for is just wing depth to come off the bench because the wings on this team are so inconsistent other than obviously the two uh, stars of this roster like Semi Ojale has had a, a career year for us he's been much better than expected he's shooting basically 39 percent from three on three attempts per game but he still just isn't really good enough to be playing big minutes. And that's why it hurts so much to see the reports that the Kings aren't willing to give up Harrison Barnes because we need someone like that on this roster to bring some more size, bring some more versatility as well. Daniel Tice, as much as he does get criticism from some people, he's been awesome for us. Uh, this year he does struggle sometimes to guard like the best of the best centers but for most centers he does a good enough job and he shot the three ball at a career rate shooting 2.2 a game on basically 42 percent he's been really nice for us this season and Tristan Thompson has his moments of inconsistency but he has been decent for this roster uh, he just brings his value as a rebounder and that's what we brought him to Boston for even if he's not as efficient as you'd want out of a, a center who doesn't really take anything but layups he's been decent for us we just really really need some more consistent bench play and some more guys who even if they're not super special players we just need uh, guys who are always going to bring us one thing, whether it be shooting the ball, whether it be being a really good defender. I just feel like we don't have that, and we're relying on these young guys who a lot of these guys just aren't ready. And I also feel like Brad Stevens' coaching rotations have not been good at times, and I feel like that's the reason why we blow leads a lot. Like when we're, we play, when we're up, we just don't really have that energy, and it seems like we get so content and uh, a lot of the times we play better when we're down, which you, you don't like to see at all because against the best teams, they're going to uh, hold that lead. So Celtics definitely have a lot of issues. That Pistons loss was absolutely deflating. Sadiq Bay absolutely killed us in this game. And the Celtics need to make a trade very, very badly. This trade exception needs to be used immediately because they need just some more uh, pieces on this roster. If we want to truly be a contender, we're going to have to make moves at the trade deadline because the way they're playing right now is just unacceptable. They may still be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference just because the Eastern Conference isn't that good. Like They're still the fourth seed, but they're only half a game above 500, which is just unacceptable uh, with how well Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been playing. you got to be better than that. And the Celtics need to make some moves right now because I'm definitely worried about this roster. And that's without even getting into Kemba because uh, Kemba has struggled quite a lot this year. I mean, I didn't expect him to be like super great. Do not get me wrong, but he's had a lot of struggles that are just super concerning and worry me a ton about uh, his future just in the league as a whole uh, because he is an older point guard who is dealing with a significant knee injury that is very, very worrying, and he's only uh, averaging 15.5 points, shooting 34.8% from the field. Like He's been really, really bad so far this year, and it's just not looked like the same dude at all. Like uh, The athleticism is still mostly there. Sometimes he does look like a step or uh, like half a step uh, slower than he was in previous years but I feel like he just needs to get in rhythm to be honest and so many like Celtics fans are saying trade Kemba my, but my thing has always been trade Kemba for what like no one's gonna want uh 
an aging point guard with a significant knee injury on a max contract. So at this point, we just kind of have to ride it out with Kemba, which is very, very scary. And that's just another thing that terrifies me about this roster. I'm worried about the Boston Celtics. They need to try and make some moves to address their problems, or they're just going to be a team that is not a legit threat to anyone at all. And they're going to be a team that goes out in like the second round yet again, and they're going to be disappointing yet again. Next team I want to talk about is the Portland Trailblazers, who've been playing some very, very good basketball as of late, 15 and 10. And you got to consider this team has dealt with so many injuries. So the fact that they're still winning games and playing so well is incredibly impressive with all the injuries with the CJ McCollum injury, the use of Nurkic injury. Just so many guys on this roster are stepping up and playing some very, very good basketball. First guy I want to talk about on this roster is Gary Trent Jr., who I'll be getting uh, more into later in the episode. But Gary Trent Jr. is someone who I've always been a massive fan of ever since he uh, started to emerge in the bubble last year. He was someone I was super all-in on with them, giving him more minutes and more opportunity. And he's absolutely proved why he deserves uh, the opportunities getting this year. On seven three-point attempts per game, he is shooting 45%. He has truly become an elite shooter in this league. He is an absolute sniper who you cannot leave open at all. He can hit catch-and-shoot threes. He can hit them off the dribble. Like He has improved so much in his rookie season in only 7.4 minutes per game. He only shot 24% from three. But now he's shooting 45%. And I don't think this is like not sustainable at all. I just think he's truly one of the best shooters in the league now. And he is a guy who can play alongside Damon CJ whenever CJ's back. As much as sometimes uh, they're going to have their struggles because he is a bit undersized to play the three. And he's not a great defender. Not a bad defender by any means. But he's just pretty average on that side of the ball i think his offense is so good that it allows them to play together and if you think of that trio of dame cj and gary trent that's easily one of the best shooting trios in the league like this team can put up just explosive points because you've got a guy like gary trent who i truly think could be a 20 point per game scorer in this league and i mean uh, even though he's been behind CJ for some of the year, and he's obviously next to an, an amazing player in Dame, he's already averaging 14.8. And I think as long as CJ is injured, that those points per game are just going to keep going up because he's just so, so confident. And that's honestly the thing that has stood out the most. And that was the thing that stood out the most to me in the bubble was just he's so much more confident than he used to be. And he's such a nice player for this roster. While he doesn't really do much other than score the ball and shoot uh, the three very, very well, those things are so valuable in this league that he brings so much to this roster. And he's such a nice player for them to have. Uh, we all know how good Damian Lillard is. Though he isn't a guy who is going to be like an all-star starter, probably just due to how good and how popular Luka and Steph Curry are, he's absolutely playing at the level of being an all-star starter. And especially ever since CJ went down, he really just uh, stepped up. Because at the beginning of the season, it was more they were just like equal and they were both playing some really good basketball. But neither one of them was like putting up crazy uh, bigger numbers than the other one. But Dame is... Uh, basically putting up similar numbers to what he did last year, uh, shooting 
the ball very, very well. Ten and a half threes per game, shooting 38% is ridiculous. He's shooting 94% from the line. I mean, he's averaging 29 points, seven assists. Just another amazing year for Damian Lillard, continuing to prove why he's just one of the best players in this league. And he's been such a big reason why they've been able to win games, even though they are a depleted roster that's dealing with so many injuries. Uh, like Zach Collins injured, C.J. McCollum injured, Yusuf Nurkic injured. Uh, one of those guys is the second best player on this roster. One of those guys at least should be the third best player on this roster. And then Zach Collins is a key rotation player. But because Dame is such a good player, uh, they've been able to still win games. And they've been able to win some games without him even being great. Like, he struggled against the 76ers because Ben Simmons played amazing defense. But you had a guy like Gary Trent Jr. step up. You had Melo have an amazing game. And he's starting to play some really good basketball, especially as of late. Uh, I mean, his overall field goal percentage isn't great. He's only shooting uh, about 40%, but he's shooting 39% from three on four and a half attempts per game. Well, sometimes you'd want him to take a little bit less shots as he's shooting 11.4 per game. He is still a very, very solid player who uh, is just going to bring value as someone who can explode any night. Like he had that amazing night against the 76ers where he really looked like vintage vintage mellow. He was hitting so many tough shots and he just brings a completely different aspect to this offense. And you really like to see that. Uh, Robert Covington, as much as he had struggled with his three-point shot at times, and he's only shooting 30% from three, he is a very, very good defender still. Easily one of the best off-ball defenders in the league. While he may not be like an elite one-on-one perimeter defender, his off-ball defense is so, so valuable to any roster. And that's why you love a guy like Robert Covington. You would just love him to shoot the three-ball a little bit better. And I think if that does uh, start getting knocked down a little more, that just makes this team easier even more dangerous especially when this roster is fully healthy you got rodney hood who's definitely had his struggles this year as he is coming off an injury but i still think he's a guy who can be a just another big time scorer on this roster and can explode any any night because he is a really talented scorer just needs to continue to get healthy and needs to continue to get back into rhythm for this roster i really like anthony simons as much as he hasn't really like lived up to the potential i feel like he's had uh he is still a good player he's averaging basically 8.7 points per game shooting 40 percent from three another guy on this roster who's just shooting lights out and that's what i do like about this roster so much is even if they don't have the talent that some other rosters do their shooting is so damn good that they can beat any single team on any given night just because these guys can get hot and they sometimes are just not going to miss from three and that's so tough to be when you got Anthony Simons who's taking five threes a game shooting 40 percent Dame who's going to take like 11 threes a game shooting 38 percent CJ was taking like 10 threes a game shooting like 38 percent this team just has so many guys who are such good shooters and can explode any night so Really like what Anthony Simons brings off the bench. And I think with another team, he could really be a very, very good player. He's one of those guys who uh, not necessarily he needs to be like freed because that, that would make it seem like they're doing something wrong to him. But I would love to see him on a different roster uh, be, just because of the fact that there are guards in front of him, especially with the emergence of Gary Trent. Like, I feel like he's never just going to get that opportunity to really break out into the player that he can be. But I think another team will see the potential in Anthony Simons and would trade some pretty decent value for him. And especially if they can get another reliable wing, because I think that's something that 
they're missing. If they can get another reliable wing on this roster for a team that sees the potential in Anthony Simons and uh, wants to kind of take a swing on him because he can be a very, very good scorer down the line, I think that could definitely be a potential trade piece for them. And if you do get another like legit wing on this roster, uh, then you basically have exactly what you'd want in a roster. You got an elite backcourt. Uh, you can either run Gary Trent at the three, or you could have him being your six man, which I think he could be a ridiculous six man as someone who's just a flamethrower off the bench. Plays that like J.R. Smith type of role, but does it in, in a much more efficient way than J.R. ever did. You got Carmelo, who can be a scorer off the bench. You got Harry Giles, who I like quite a lot. Hasn't had like a crazy season for them by any means, but I he's just one of those guys that I can't give up on because I, I think he can be so, so good. And I do wish he was getting some more opportunity, but he's been playing decent in his opportunity. The one thing that I do want to see the most, though, is when Nurkic comes back, how good he is. Because he was really disappointing for me at the beginning of the season. I was a guy who I was super high on Yusuf Nurkic. And especially last year, I was so impressed by how he played. But... Uh, at the beginning of this season, he was super underwhelming, and I was just really, really disappointed. He was only averaging under 10 points per game, shoot, uh, shooting only 48.5%. Like, he just wasn't that good last year and I, uh, this year, and I was super disappointed by them, but by him. Uh, but if I think, I think if he can uh, put it together and start playing the way that I think we all know he's capable of, I think he can be a big, big part in making this team super dangerous. If they have that legit interior presence and use of Nurkic, this team is going to be terrifying, and they're going to be a team that no one wants to play because those uh, that backcourt is so good, and there's so many other nice pieces on this roster. Really enjoyed how the Portland Trailblazers are playing as of late, and I definitely think uh, they deserve their respect as a team to be feared in the Western Conference and a team that no one is going to want to play in the playoffs. Fifth seed right now, and I think they could easily creep up to that fourth seed. Uh, again, hope they just get healthy because they're going to be really, really scary when they do. Now I want to get into some player spotlights for guys who've been really standing out to me. And I have to talk about Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors. Stephen Curry has been ridiculous ridiculous this season and any of the absolute idiots who doubted Steph Curry are completely proven wrong as this man has been incredible so far this season is having easily one of the best seasons he's ever had comparable to his amazing 2016 season he's averaging 30 points five and a half rebounds and 5.9 assists shooting a 49 percent from the field 43 and a half percent from three and 93 percent uh, from the line this is coming on 11.6 three-point attempts per game the dude is just so easily the best shooter of all time and it's literally no debate at all he's so ridiculous from outside and again anybody who's proved uh who is doubting this man at the beginning of the season which they were idiots he's proven them completely wrong uh, I've always thought the narrative that Steph can't carry a team was a stupid narrative because we've seen earlier on in his career in like 2014 
2013 as well. He played some very, very good basketball and was leading these Warriors teams that weren't the most talented to some very good records. And they had that series against the Nuggets that was super fun. Like, that team was really good, and it was because of Steph Curry. They had some other nice pieces on that roster, but that was only when uh, Clay Thompson was like an 18 or even like 17 point per game scorer. They had like David Lee, who was an 18 point per game scorer, which obviously isn't awful help by any means, but isn't great help either. And Steph led those teams. Uh, but now that he is the player that he is today, which I think potentially is the best Steph Curry we've ever seen, I always thought the narrative that he couldn't lead a roster was stupid. Uh, and we're seeing it. The Warriors are a playoff team. While they're not like a great team by any means, and some people have even criticized Steph that they're the A seed, which I just think is so stupid because if you watch this Warriors team, what else is Steph Curry supposed to do? Like, Steph Curry has been literally playing out of his mind and there's so many games where people just don't step up for him like a lot of guys on this roster for most teams would be very very low late rotation players or even not in the rotation at all but Steph Curry is still just carrying these guys and leading them to wins uh, because he's probably one of if not he could make an argument for being the best offensive player of all time uh, he's a guy who we all know can score from literally anywhere on the floor and that not only helps him but it helps his teammates so much and it's something that is always talked about and i think is so valuable stuff about steph curry is just simply the gravity of him and just how much he makes life so much easier for the guys around him like so many of these guys get wide open shots because uh, of Steph Curry and even if he doesn't get an assist on the play he makes so many plays without even having the ball in his hands and that's the true magic of Steph Curry his off-ball ability is completely unmatched by anyone he's an absolute master of moving off the ball and that's what gets him so many open threes and that's why he's such an elite shooter and that's the step that i want to see from a guy like trey young as a shooter is becoming an elite off ball player because i think that's truly the thing that rises you to that next level of being just unstoppable as a scorer and especially as a shooter is your off-ball ability. And obviously, Steph Curry completely has that mastered, ridiculous off-ball player. And again, just his ability to shoot from anywhere is so it's so crazy and it's so much fun to watch. I was watching that Mavericks game and the, the shot that stood out to me the most, I mean, he had a great game as a whole, but the one that stood out to me the most was there. Tw there's 21 seconds left on the shot clock. Basically, none of his teammates are uh, up the floor. So if he misses the shot, there's basically a 0% chance they get an offensive rebound. And with 21 seconds left on the shot clock, he just pulls it from the logo. You have to be an absolute maniac to do that. But Steph Curry just does it on such a regular basis because he's simply just the best shooter we've ever seen and has the range to do that. And the fact that he feels so confident in doing that just shows the greatness in Steph Curry. And especially with his improvements on the defensive side of the ball, because while he's still not a great defender, he's definitely much improved from younger in his career because he's gotten a lot stronger and just smarter on that side of the ball. I think this may be the best Steph Curry we've ever seen because while 2016 Steph is probably the greatest offensive season of all time, he is near that level this year. 
and is a pretty significantly uh, pl better player on the defensive side of the ball. This dude has just been playing absolutely incredible. I mean, he's attacking the basket, getting to the line 5.5 times a game and shooting 93% from there. He's someone who is... Uh, while not being the biggest guy by any means, he can finish so well because he is so crafty around the basket. So many uh, acrobatic and uh, just beautiful finish finishes from him. And his touch and finesse around the basket is some of the best we see in the league. His handle is absolutely incredible. And it makes it look even better just due to how good of a shooter he is because his defender always has to be on uh, his toes because you never know when Steph Curry is just going to pull up. And so many times I feel like he's just toying with defenders. Like uh, I was watching that Spurs game and at the end of the second quarter it was, it looked like he could have easily got by Rudy Gay, but then he like pulls the ball back, does just some really nice handles, step back three at the end of the quarter, just easy. Like it's way too easy for Steph Curry and he's just easily one of the most fun players to uh, watch. And as someone who really didn't, like I didn't dislike Steph Curry, Curry earlier on, but I wasn't a big fan of him. Uh, when he was missing those games in the 2020 season, it really just made me appreciate Steph Curry so much more. And now that he's back and he's playing at the level he is, I just appreciate Steph Curry uh, and the way he's been playing so, so much. He's so much fun to watch. And I think we all just need to give this man his praise. He's easily in the top 10 of being an MVP candidate, even though his team isn't great. Uh, Steph Curry's the only reason why they're even in uh, in uh, contention to being a playoff team. Because while like Draymond is super impactful, he's still a guy who isn't the old Draymond. He's, again, very impactful, but he's not like 2016 Draymond. Andrew Wiggins has been much better this season, but Andrew Wiggins is still, at best, he's a top 50 player, and he's at the very end of that list. Steph Curry is carrying this roster with so many guys who just wouldn't be that good on many other rosters and making them look so good because of his gravity and because he is just such an incredible player. Anybody who disrespected Stephen Curry is getting proved uh, completely wrong. and he's, ha he's having easily one of, if not his best season. Stephen Curry's been incredible this year, and uh, it's been an absolute treat to watch him play. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to give a player spotlight on Joel Embiid, who has been absolutely incredible for the Philadelphia 76ers this year. My MVP at this point in the season, he has just been on a whole nother level. And the thing that has impressed me the most is the shape that Joel Embiid has been in. I've always been of the opinion that Joel Embiid has the talent to be the best big man in the NBA, and he has the uh, skill set to do so but for me it was always about his physical condition and his health holding him back and that was always what was so frustrating for me about uh, Embiid was the fact that he I knew how talented he was but I felt a lot of times he was holding himself back from being the player that he could be but this season he is healthier than ever and he has been completely locked in so far he's averaging 29.4 points per game 10.9 rebounds at 2.9 assists shooting 54.5 percent from the field 38 percent from three and 85 percent from the line phenomenal splits from him right there on the offensive side of the ball the thing that has impressed me the most is his mid-range shooting. His mid-range shooting has reached a level that I never expected it 
too. He's always been a pretty decent mid-range shooter, but he's shooting like plus 50% this season. He has been phenomenal from the mid-range, is doing it off the pick and pop, and especially off the dribble. It's something that he's become very, very good at, and it's something that definitely helps him close games down the stretch because it's so impossible to guard Joel Embiid when he is a 7-foot, 280-pound dude who is as skilled as he is from basically all parts of the floor. Uh, we all know how good of a post player he is. Just has easily some of the best footwork that I've ever seen down low. And mixed with just the pure strength that he has with, with him being one of the strongest players in the league. It's almost in, uh, unstoppable to stop him down low. And that's why he gets 11.4 free throw attempts per game. Because you can't do anything but foul most of the times. And then he has such a good touch at the free throw line that that gets him 9.7 points per game just from free throws alone. And that's what really, uh, that's what it really takes to be like an elite, elite player is that ability to get to the free throw line and generate just easy points there. And Joel Embiid absolutely does that. So unless you're one of the best defensive centers, like unless you're like Bam out of bio or up in that uh, upper echelon of being an elite defensive center it is an impossible task to guard Joel Embiid and in a series potentially against the team a team like the Brooklyn Nets I just don't know what they would even try to do to defend Joel Embiid and that's the reason why at this point in the season the 76ers are my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference as much as that hurts to say as a Celtics fan as an unbiased person who watches the NBA and watches how the 76ers have been playing this year and how Joel Embiid has specifically been playing in my opinion uh, they're gonna make the NBA Finals and that's all because of their star player in Joel Embiid playing as good as he has. He's shooting the three ball very, very well this season. And what I like about it is he's shooting a career low in attempts. Because I always felt like, even sometimes without Ben Simmons, because I understand with Ben Simmons, him hanging out around the three-point line sometimes, but it frustrated me the most when Ben Simmons wasn't on the floor and he was still hanging around the three-point line. Uh, but this year, he's just been so locked in. And I think that, again, goes to him being as healthy as ever. Because uh, I think the reason why he uh, hung around the three-point line so much, because a lot of times he was tired because he wasn't in the best physical shape he could have been. But with him being as healthy as he is, it just allows him to play at his highest level possible. Like, he's playing 32 minutes a game, and he's dominating every single minute i feel like he hasn't even really had like a bad game uh at all this year he's just been so good and he's easily having the best season of his career like 2019 he was phenomenal but he is in my opinion much better than he was in 2019 on the defensive side of the ball he's locked in and is a defensive player of the year candidate they have two of the best defenders in the league in ben simmons and joel Embiid, and those two have absolutely been locking up other teams on that side of the ball like in just all facets of the game joel Embiid is playing at the highest level that he ever has and it's so it's so fun to see just so many great centers in the league now because we went from like deandre jordan to making all nba first teams to now we have nicole Jokic and joel Embiid, who have probably 
both been two of the five or six best players in the league so far. It's just absolutely incredible how these bigs are playing, and they're really evolving the big man position as a whole. Like, Joel Embiid is more of a traditional big in the sense of him being a post player and him being such an elite post player, but he also has so many other parts of the game that older bigs wouldn't have had. Like, he has that Hakeem Olajuwon-like footwork and that dominance in the post, but he also can step out and now has become one of the better mid range shooters in the league he can also step out and hit the three he can even switch onto smaller players at times like the evolution of the big man position has been phenomenal and the debate between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid before the season when Joel Embiid wasn't playing at the level he could have I thought it wasn't even close but Joel has made it so interesting now and it's so fun for me to just watch these two guys like I don't even like doing the debate that much because at the end of the day these two are just fun as hell to watch and are easily two of the best players in the league so I think we just need to appreciate the fact that they're evolving and changing the mold of what the center is and I think for generations to come we're going to see more players like Joel Embiid we're going to see more dominant centers and it's just going to be really really fun I definitely think he has a chance to win MVP this year because the 76ers have been playing very high level basketball and obviously without their best player they're going to struggle but they have really really struggled anytime Joel Embiid has missed games which just obviously proves how valuable he is and as gr um, great as LeBron has been. LeBron has been amazing this season. I think Joel is still uh, probably for me the clear-cut guy in, unless he slows down, which honestly I don't see him slowing down. I just hope he can stay healthy, hope he can continue to be in this great shape because if he does, he's going to be so dominant for so many years now and I've been super impressed by Joel this season playing MVP caliber basketball and leading the Sixers to wins, leading them to be one of the best teams in the NBA and leading them to me believing that they are going to be the team that comes out of the Eastern Conference. I've been so impressed with Joel Embiid so far this season. Now I want to talk about J.J. Watt, who has recently got released by the Houston Texans as they mutually came to the agreement uh, to for him to be released. And now he has a very, very interesting decision to make as he can make such a massive impact on the next Super Bowl winner. And the thing that it is so exciting for me about this is that it's basically all up to J.J. Watt on where he personally prefers to go and what he thinks fits him best. It Again, it's just all up to him to make this choice, and he is going to make a massive impact on some competing team because I don't uh, see him going to any team that isn't great. And a team that needs uh, a great defensive lineman is absolutely going to be calling J.J. Watt's phone and is going to be wanting him badly. Because J.J. Watt, as much as he's had his injury issues in the past couple seasons, and that's definitely derailed him a little bit, J.J. Watt is one of the greatest defensive players we've ever seen and is easily the greatest Houston Texan of all time. And a bit off topic of how he can, uh, how he can help a contending team, it is so depressing what has happened uh, to the Houston Texans, like this roster has just absolutely fallen apart. You were a playoff team, and now it looks like you're you're losing your best player in franchise history, and then you're going to be losing your franchise quarterback as well. It's just 
it's just very, very rough for them. And they've done such a terrible job uh, of keeping that talent on the roster. And they've made so many just, just mistakes that absolutely amaze me. Like, how do you make so many poor decisions? And I think it just starts with the top. Like, there's so many guys in that front office who I just don't think deserve positions up there because, as you could tell, they clearly just don't know football if they're losing as many guys as they have and losing so many important people to that roster. I think before we know it, this is easily going to be the worst team in the NFL because teams like the Jaguars, while they struggled a lot this season, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, who I think could be a franchise quarterback and is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, honestly, probably pretty shortly. I think Trevor Lawrence is just so talented, and they have pieces on that roster. The Jets, they do have some pieces on that roster that are intriguing. The way that the Texans are falling apart, unless they just get like crazy value for Deshaun Watson, and even then, you have to nail all your picks that you do get for Deshaun Watson because you don't have your pick uh, that you traded to the Miami Dolphins, which was such a disaster of a trade now. You lost the third pick in the NFL draft, and then you caused your franchise quarterback to want to leave. You caused your best player in franchise history to want to leave. It's just such a disaster over there, and it amazes me how much they've messed this up. Because like J.J. Watt said, they wasted one of Deshaun Watson's good season. Like Deshaun Watson was incredible last year, and it was not his fault why they lost games at all. They were just a very, very poorly run team, and then they made so many mistakes that just baffle me so much. Like, how are you going to tell Deshaun Watson that he's going to have uh, a choice in picking the next coach when he's your franchise quarterback, and then you don't let him have any uh, real power in picking the next coach? You hire someone that he doesn't want, and then you just get him even more frustrated than he already is, like... I just don't understand it at all, and it confuses me so much what they're doing because now they've they've lost so many just big pieces to this roster, and they're an absolute disaster of a team and an organization. And as much as they're going to continue to say, we want Deshaun here as the quarterback, he's going to be our quarterback for a long time. No, Deshaun Watson wants out, and he's going to get out. That's just the typical thing that they're going to say. Like, at least for the most part, no one is going to say he's just gone from the roster. They're going to continue to say that he that he, uh, he's going to be there for the long haul and they want him to be their franchise quarterback. No, Deshaun has already asked out. I would not be surprised if we see a holdout at all if they uh, keep him. And honestly, they should just trade him because... I feel like his emotions with the team, they're they're not going to change at all. And if anything, they're just going to continue to get worse. And the more and more you wait, the more and more his value is going to go down. His value is always going to be high because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he's uh, at such a valuable position. But you just can't lose any leverage in this at all. It's just like the James Harden situation. Uh, another Houston athlete who they lost. Houston's had a, a rough past year. But it's the same thing with the James Harden situation. They still got a ton of value because he's such an amazing player. But I feel they could have got more value if they didn't wait so damn long and try to hold on to something that just simply wasn't there. Both of these guys are frustrated with their situations. So you just have to bite the bullet and try and get as much value for Deshaun Watson as possible uh, while you can because there's going to be so many teams that are willing to give big offers. Like the Miami Dolphins would probably be willing to give 
up a lot of assets for him. A team like the Panthers, the 49ers. There are so many teams that need that franchise quarterback to take them uh, to the next step of being a playoff team or being a Super Bowl contending team. So there's going to be so many calls for him. And at the end of the day, you have to listen to those trade offers and you have to try and make a move because the situation is not changing at all. And I think it shows with J.J. Watt, who seems to love Texas so much. He seems to be so loyal and love the fans uh, from the Texans so much. And he's still asked to be released from this roster. That is such a bad sign. And I think J.J. Watt is going to be someone who makes such a massive impact on a team uh, that picks him up. And again, I'm just so excited to see because it's all up to him. He could go to whatever team he wants. I think a team like the Seahawks could really use him. I mean, obviously, any contending team could use him. Like, if the Buccaneers got him, that would be amazing, obviously. And I'll be super interested to see if he potentially takes a pay cut to go on uh, a really good roster or if he still wants to get his money. That'll be super interesting because he's obviously made a ton of money with the Texans. So it'll be interesting to see if he decides that he's going to take a pay cut. He's going to kind of bite the bullet of not getting uh, a ton of money or anything to really just go on a competitive team that he wants to win a Super Bowl with. And he's going to have such a big impact on the next NFL season. It's so crazy to me that this has happened, that they got no value for him. Uh, but we're here, and this is very, very exciting. I cannot wait to get that notification to see where J.J. Watt signs because that is going to be just and that is going to be so weird to see, too, because uh, he's been a Texan for so long. It's been so great with the Texans. Uh, but they've messed up yet again. Let one of their uh, one, uh, the best player in their history go. One of the best defensive players we've seen in a long, long time. And J.J. Watt's going to have a massive impact on whoever he goes to. Super excited for the future uh, of him and really, really excited to see where J.J. Watt ends up landing. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's Ben Michael. Peace out.